morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, November 19th, 2023. We've got another great show for you this week. We've got the Legal Eagles, David Levine and Kevin Walsh here to break down what's the latest on the fiduciary rule. And then Oliver Rennick of the Schwab Network will be stopping by to help break down markets. There's a lot of good and mixed economic data. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. Where we're going to kick off the show, as we always do, with a look at what is happening on Capitol Hill. And, geez, there is a lot going on this week. Joining us online, the Legal Eagles, David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Eagles, so great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Jeff, it's great to be here. Let me be the first to say Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Diwali Eid to you uh, as we head into the holiday season. And uh, we got a rocket list of things to go through today. So I'm going to jump right there. All right, Kevin, let's let's go to you. Thank you, David. And I appreciate that. You're going to have to spell out um, that what you just said, because I did not able to not able to transcribe that. Kevin, let's talk about um, there's a lot going on in Capitol Hill. Give us your perspective. I mean, I'm going to just, you know, say happy Thanksgiving. And, you know, we've got an agency in the Department of Labor that is, you know, giving us more than we can eat. Um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, we've all know fiduciaries back. They released a 500 page proposal at the beginning of November. Uh, a, a group of trades were like, you know, 60 days might not be enough time to respond because we've got two sets of holidays, three sets of holidays. We've got a whole set, a whole bunch of holidays between uh, the day it was issued and January 2nd. Essentially, there were 39 business days. Um DOL, in, a, in an unorthodox move, actually sent a letter back saying, we're not going to extend the comment period. So, you know, for folks who are interested in fiduciary, it's really a race until January 2nd to get comments in order. Now, on top of that, DOL is holding a hearing on the rule. And typically, when you have a hearing on rulemaking, uh, the hearing comes after the comment period closes, and it affords commenters an opportunity to respond to other commenters. Um, you know, just on... On Friday, uh, the pre-publication version, so on Monday, it's going to be in the Federal Register, DOL announced when they're going to hold the hearing. It's going to be December 12th, 13th, and 14th, if necessary. So it's going to be before the comment period ends, and it's going to be you know 20-something business days after the proposal was released. And commenters who want to participate in that hearing have to have their requests in by November 29th. So honestly, this rulemaking is moving along just incredibly quickly as we move into year end. Now, you know, the Labor Department, they've said a couple of things about this. Um, they've said, you know, on the one hand, that this proposal is not 2016 all over again. Uh, on the other hand, you know, publicly, in at least, you know, five or six speeches recently, they've said, we don't really feel like we need to extend the comment period, because this is the same initiatives we began in 2010. And we already know what everyone has to say. So there's some tension there. But the important thing here is that if you want to have a say in you know, what the department does in terms of finalizing this fiduciary proposal, the period for getting comments, the period for getting uh, testimony in, uh, it, really, it really means that you're going to be typing away at your laptop uh, at your Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so, David, I, do you want to comment on the, uh, the timeline here? Because I think there's a couple of other interesting things going on with the timeline uh, related to courts, related to Congress. And I can go there where you can provide some color. Sure, I'll jump in for for one second. You know, this is an interesting discussion, and let's break it down a little for the different constituencies, as I like to do. Plan sponsors, 
Some of you may be deeply interested in this because this could affect the operations of your plans. But you may also say, you know what, we're going to wait and see how it sort of sorted out, sorts out before we go there. Because some of some of you, a lot of you have limited resources and it's not your business. You do a plan to support your employees. On the other side of the fence, you've got the service providers. There's a lot of impact on the insurance industry here, significant that, that I would assert is far different than what we saw in 2010, 2015, 2016, 20, and during the Trump administration. There's a lot of difference here. So it might be worth your time. It is worth your time. Similarly, record keepers and other service providers, whether advisors, wellness, managed account providers, there's a lot of things that are different here. It is not just the same old, same old. As we've gone through in a prior a session with you, Jeff, we've talked about how this is a really much broader in so many ways about who would be a fiduciary. So I would take disagreement here with the Department of Labor's statements that this is, we've seen it before, because this is not your father's fiduciary rule or your mother's fiduciary rule. <laughs> this is not, I like that. I was thinking that I was going to say that uh, until you, you chimed in. Um, well, gentlemen, Sorry. I mean, no, don't apologize. You guys are the stars of the show. I'm just the facilitator um, or the moderator. But um, it sounds like there's a lot to be determined in a short period of time. We're going to have to wait and see. Gentlemen, I want to, I, you know, we've got the Thanksgiving holiday kind of uh, around the corner. And I want to ask you both, and I'll start with you, David. Um, any Thanksgiving traditions or favorite food that y you might want to share with, with us and the audience? Uh, a Thanksgiving tradition we always enjoy uh, that is we get together with a group of friends that spans the entire world. And it's great when we get to see them. Some years it doesn't happen, but most years it does. And it's a group of five to 10 people. And it's a wonderful couple days. It's not just Thanksgiving and some of the most quiet and peaceful times of the year. And I really treasure it. Yeah. Um, that's, those are, it's always nice to spend time with friends and family Kevin, I want to come to you and leave leave uh, leave off with your thoughts about what David just not what David said, but your own traditions and things that you Ke like. To Kevin, do you Thanksgiving. can't. Kevin, you can't. You can't crash well, my event this year, okay? So I'm 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 a fan of potatoes or gratin, and we tend to have potatoes or gratin as one of the uh, the the many dishes that one has at Thanksgiving. Uh, the other tradition is, and I think this is a pretty common tradition, is we go around the room and say what you're thankful for. And honestly, you want to be early in that room because once friends and family is gone, people really have to start thinking about what they what they say. <laughs> Kevin, I thought I thought you were, I always thought you say you're happy for the legal eagles. Yeah, I usually say coworkers and Jeff. Oh, <laughs> there we so, go. That is so you don't you don't have to ingratiate yourself to the host. But gentlemen, look, I want to wish you, your families, all your friends a very happy Thanksgiving and a happy Thanksgiving to our audience. Take care and we'll talk to you all again next week. Thank Happy you, Thanksgiving, Thank everyone. Listeners. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Bye. Jeff. Bye, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Bye. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. 
We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. Now time to take a tour of the markets. Joining us on the line, the lead anchor of the Schwab Network, Oliver Rennick. Oliver, thanks so much for stopping by on the program this morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always. All right, Oliver. Um, from what I can tell, uh, just doing a quick read of the news this week, uh, weaker retail sales numbers. That has me a little concerned about holiday shopping. Um, but I want to get your insight into the market. What are you seeing? What are you hearing on your network? Yeah, this was a pretty uh, encouraging week for the economy and for the stock market. Uh, do you point out retail sales, which indeed – I uh, did have a negative in front of the print on a month-over-month basis, but the market was actually expecting it to be worse, and the previous reading was revised higher. So I wouldn't be too worried about um, what we saw for retail. I think a lot of the retail uh, tone was struck by Walmart in their outlook, talking about outright deflation and a potential slowing of their customer base. But I don't know, all week that has kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit because Walmart's uh, stock has done incredibly well to some degree on the premise of that general kind of slowing of the economy over the past, you know, 18 months. And so it didn't really strike me as like particularly revelatory. It almost kind of sounded to me like maybe they wanted to perhaps kind of lower the bar for themselves in the future. Um, but here's the thing is that, you know, we know that the economy is slowed. We know that jobless claims have been rising. Unemployment has been rising. I mean, this has been going on for, for months now, uh, you know, better part of, you know, uh, almost, you know, a year, basically. I'm not, not quite that much, depending on which metric you look at. But obviously our economy has slowed down since the big kind of post-COVID surge that was part of the COVID tech boom. Uh, but the fact remains still that the rate at which we are slowing has been very positively surprising. And that still is the tone that we should describe the economy with, which is better than expected, especially now that we're seeing inflation continue on a path lower. Uh, we are still technically inflating because we have positive numbers on the consumer price index, but to see the month-over-month -month rate go to zero for the consumer price index and negative for the producer price index, which is what we saw this week, there is obviously a lot of uh, optimism 
now that uh, even though the economy is going better than expected, it's not keeping a vicious cycle of inflation moving higher. So we're, we're kind of uh, arguably in one of the best possible outcomes right now, frankly. Um, it really is surprisingly positive on every front. I mean, just to give an example, even in the scenario of a better than expected economy, which is the one I've been centering our coverage around, which was a pretty non-consensus view. Basically, since the regional banks blew up, it was pretty clear um, in the imminent following data that the economy was not going to fall off a cliff. And so I geared most of our coverage around the notion of this kind of trampoline landing that instead of coming down real hard or even landing at all, we were kind of going to bounce back. Uh, And we did. But my concern with that was that the bounce back was going to cause inflation to flare up again. And that just is not turning out to be the case. Inflation is still moderating. So you really kind of got like the best of the possible outcomes that were um, updated fresh with inflation data this week. Oliver, with that as the context, what do you make of the U.S. consumer? Because a lot of the, uh, you know, on one hand, you hear credit card balances at record highs, the average account or yep. the average account balance at record highs, rising interest rates. Um, but then you hear people are going to travel for Thanksgiving. They're going to travel for mm-hmm. the holidays, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all the – I don't want to get them all in so I don't get slammed. Um so what you know you got to be careful these days, but uh, I don't want to be give short shrift to anybody. But in any event, um, I mean, what do you make about the U.S. consumer? Because at the end of the day, they, they have really we as consumers have really driven a lot of these major market events. You talked about the tech boom, but now people are going to travel. Yet they're driving up credit card balances. Yep, um, that is true. The data support that, but the data also support a robust employment situation and wage gains that are uh, still uh, pretty impressive next to inflation. And therefore that credit card gets paid just in time to load it up again. (laughs) So (laughs) it it is arguably, you know, a situation where it works until it doesn't, but um, it at least gives us some pretty clear things to look for, which is a spike in unemployment, a spike in joblessness, or a big drop in wage growth. Um, and we, we just are not really seeing that. Our productivity numbers have been pretty good, so we're, we're producing a good bit to, to keep the economy overall chugging along. And um, yeah, obviously the indebtedness and the interest rates are a you know clock basically that ticks. Um, but when you have enough income to stay afloat, any marginal move lower in interest rates is a pretty big deal. And that's what happened this past 10 days with rates coming down because of the big treasury bond rally, because of the inflation data, because the market thinks the Fed is done hiking. You had this whole resurgence this week of companies, and if we kind of think about the corporate world as an extension of that consumer point, because there are a lot of companies that are technically zombie companies uh, whose math adds up against them when you look at how much debt they have, anytime those rates come down, it effectively extends their lifespan. And so that was the big thing that happened this week. It was not a week that was led by tech giants. Uh, it was a week that was led by small caps, 
beaten down so-called value companies, some of whom may be trash, some of whom may truly be beaten down value. We don't know, you know, until we know for sure. But the map on a lot of these companies does tell us that they don't really have much of an out unless the Fed cuts an extreme amount. So, yeah, some of this market move is probably overdone because there's just too many companies that are rallying this week that are heavily indebted and maybe their life is extended, you know, by a couple quarters or so when rates move down. But unless the Fed, you know, totally cuts rates all the way back down, these companies are still going to have major problems, uh, you know, six months a, a year in the future. So we're, we're, we're extending our runway, we're extending our lifespan, and that's a good thing. It's really all you can ask for. Oliver, uh, I want to switch gears. We're coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday. I want to ask you, I asked the legal eagles in the last segment this question, what if what what are the Rennick uh, Thanksgiving traditions and do you have a favorite um, uh, type of you know dish at, at uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, I think when you asked me this last year, I said uh, <laughs> pumpkin pie. I don't know, no real traditions, just hanging out with the fam, eating gravy, taking a big nap around like, you know, 6 p.m., Okay, and where, where's Donald the cat going to be? Ah, boy, that's a good point. Um, we need to make arrangements so that he doesn't <laughs> feel too lonely. On the, okay, in that case, uh, we'll let you get to yeah, that. He doesn't I'll, travel. No, he does not travel, but he is, if you guys have not seen, I don't know if you ever post pictures on social media about him, but he is the cutest little, uh, he's not even little. He's a big guy. He's a cute, <laughs> no, he's not. He's a cute guy. On. Oliver Rennick, wishing you and your family and your friends a very happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Enjoy. Have a great rest of the weekend, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. Bye-bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line, and don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.